There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So here we are, uh, Ruthie, start of a brand new series. Series, ask us, what, what's different in the new series then? Well, nothing's different in the new series. Well, you say Is that. the new series different to the first series? What makes it a second series? Well... Nothing really. Except we had a break. Um, if you, I know you like to use the American uh, words, so it's the second season. It's season. the second season. The it's first the season, season was over. Um, 37 we did in the first season. Very good. Uh, Does that mean we have to do 32, 37 in the next season? Not necessarily. We'll do something. Well, you'll be going off to university, so we Liter- uh, probably... Yeah, because I was at the dentist the other day. Everything's fine, in case you were worried. Um, and <laughs> I've been a lot of people writing you. <laughs> and um, he was saying, well, we can start seeing you every 12 months now because you're over 18, um, because that's how the dentist works. And um, then he went, oh, well, actually, we'll put you in for nine months because if we go 12 months, then you'll already be at uni. And then he, as Joe was leaving, he was like, oh, good luck in the exams, which are obviously not for a while, but it's weird, that, isn't it? Like, you have... I've known my dentist for 10 years, maybe, mm. maybe more, even. You know, I just see him at such, like, weird intervals of my life. Like, it's well, just weird, Well, every six isn't it? months. It's not, there's nothing weird about No, not weird, months. but, like... Like most you people have no who you've known, yeah, 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 most yeah. people who you've known for over a decade, you would have quite a close relationship. Mm. It is but odd. Actually. It's, weird. it's a weird. It's a weird dynamic. And you just pick it up. I think that's part of the skill of being a dentist, and even more so being uh, a hairdresser, because the dentist, yeah, uh, is very very quick. You know, the dentist, yeah, a quick look. Um, yeah, if you're hurtful, and also a lot of the time you can't speak because he's got his fingers in your mouth. Correct. Or her has. fingers. In yes, your mouth. indeed. But with with a hairdresser, it's different. The hairdresser. But then sitting I don't there have the four... same hairdresser like that. See, I've had the same guy cutting my hair for. Over 30 years now. That's ridiculous. It's amazing, man and boy. And fortunately, it's stayed more or less... Yeah, you're very lucky. More or less the same. You've not been Wayne Rooney. I'm lucky in the hair. I'm I'm very lucky I've not been Wayne Rooney as far as the hair goes. As far as the earnings go. um, Yeah, maybe. He's he's done better than... And as far as the football skills go. Anyway, here we are, chatting away at the start of... This could be the unique selling point of Series 2, the fact that we have a slightly longer chat at the start before we officially start the uh, podcast. Yeah. So that, that that could be it. But we usually when we do this quirky bit, I usually have a little joke that I oh, but, you have. but unfortunately I um I blew it because I told it you when I came it was a joke that I'm not uh, gonna lie, Dad, I do not remember. Well uh, <laughs> what what do you call a hen looking at lettuce? Uh chicken Caesar salad. 
You've not Did, told me that. I? I don't think so. But, but that's the sort of. You seem joke. you've ruined it now, though. Yeah. So, well I done. thought I'd told you that. No, that's anyway, funny. Let me quote you one from Caroline. You'll like this because it's a it's a woman comedian, uh, Caroline maybe, and her joke. I'll only is, like it if it's funny because okay. that's a quality. All right, here we go. This is Caroline's joke. She says, uh, "I'm very conflicted by eye tests. I want to get the answers right, but I really want to win the glasses." <laughs> really good good that's so relatable as well because you do don't you yeah although i've been to the opticians once Mm. gosh you you guys are getting to hear so much about my various (laughs) health (laughs) things my teeth are fine my eyes not so much i've been to the opticians once and i got glasses and i never wear them ever I think you'll be all right for a bit with it. I think so, But yeah, it's, it's true, I have been... You'll either be fine or you'll die. That's what you've always got to remember. Mm. And that, that's my motto, isn't it, as mm. I've said to you in the past. Um, but I've I've been actually for, which is more serious, I've been for a, a, a diabetic eye test, you know, because I, I type 2 diabetes. Because your eyes so, just fall out. Yeah, yeah, whatever. So I've been for, a, where, where they're just checking that diabetes isn't affecting your eyes and everything. And I've actually cheated by looking at the thing before. <laughs> before what, the, what beforehand? Yeah. <laughs> when you, when you go in there, which also, really is the most the, dumbest thing to do, isn't it? Yeah, really stupid. But sometimes they do. You know, they're like, "Is this better? Is this better?" And you're like, "That's the same. That is the exact same. Is this better? Is this better?" And then they get you, you to read to, the letters. Hmm. But by that time, I've already read the letters ten times. I'm not an idiot. I know the patterns repeating. So you'll say to them, "You'll be like, well, I mean." It's an M, but it looks like an N, but I know it's an M. <laughs> and then they're like, well, what do you see? Mm. But I can't not see the M. <laughs> well, I think we've established that we've got some level there and we're recording, yeah. so let's begin. Yeah, welcome along. It's uh, Ruthie, Me and My Dad, Series 2, Episode 1. Oh, gosh, I've written down Episode 38. Yeah. Well, I think I might still number it as episode 38, so I don't want to change the numbering convention in case it doesn't show up on everybody's podcast provider. I'll tell you what I, th- what I think is quite... Also, the fact that there's no actual difference is a great reason as well. Well, you say that. You say that. I'll tell you, there is a significant difference in that, you know how when we uh, get emails mm. um, and you always say they're all from my cronies, yeah. i.e. people who listen to me on uh, Talk Sport or Talk Radio. Well, this one says, uh, hi, Martin and Ruth. I'm 22. So I thought it'd be a welcome change for you to hear some correspondence of someone closer to Ruth's age and someone who's never heard of Martin before this pod. Bracket, sorry. So this is somebody who's only ever heard me on, on the podcast. How did they those... find it? By... See, this worries me. Well, no, that's not worrying. That's good. That's good. Yeah, it but it worries me that, you know, my fellow you worry, Oh, you worry about your friends finding it, yeah. Dis- no, not my close friends. They mm. know it exists. Anyway. He, he... The wider... The wider circle. Okay. Well, anyway, this, sorry. This is Andrew. And he says, despite being closer to Ruth's age, I find myself completely lost when she's talking about her lingo and what's on the telly. I'm a big fan of Loyal Karna and Jordan Raki. Is it Raki? Rakai, or? I think. Rakai, yeah. I'm not actually sure because I've never heard anyone say it out loud. Oh, yeah. Well, he, he was says, the guy, the, we played Ottolenghi. This is, I mean, this, people will be picking it up for the first time, being that it's series two episode one of this brand new sort of brand new podcast 
Therefore, and um, we ought to explain, we, I sometimes play Ruth music from my generation. How long is this facade going to go on of this season one, season two thing? Anyway, I'm a big fan of Loyal Carter and Jordan Raquet, uh, so it was great to hear them get a mention. I've also been a huge fan of the Japanese house for a while now, too. Uh, so well done, Ruth, for giving them a shout out. I'm getting married in a couple of weeks. You're 22? Yeah. That's scary. scary. I'm getting married in a couple of weeks, and me and my fiance. And, I mean, and congrats. Congrats and good luck. Uh, me and my fiance. Yes, both enjoy the pod and find your relationship brackets on mic at least. That's so true. He says he really likes our fake relationship. <laughs> We genuinely do not talk. Uh, it makes me look forward to hopefully having a daughter of my own one day. So not only getting married at 20, he's looking forward to having his own uh, children. Uh, big love to you both. Scary. Keep up the good stuff. And it's Andrew Lavers from Cornwall who says, P.S. Ruth's Owen Wilson impression is a joy. Moving on. No, Owen Wilson, come on. Owen, oh, no, no, I don't want to do it. All right, we'll do it before the end of the podcast, yeah? I mean, because no, I've just spun that not on you. Do, I'm not doing it ever at all on this podcast. Really? On, on this episode. Okay, well, that's fair enough. It's, it's uh, your choice. I don't want to force you to do anything you don't want to do. Speaking of uh, forcing people to do things, I was watching a thing on uh, YouTube about Seinfeld, and basically it was a feature called Does It Hold Up? And what they did was quite an interesting experiment. They um, Because Seinfeld is generally... You just accept that it's a great comedy and it's brilliant and it's groundbreaking etc etc and they showed it to a bunch of college kids between the ages of uh, 18 and 22 so they showed various episodes of Seinfeld and I seem to remember being a bit queasy uh, about this at the time when he gets that girl you know he gives her (laughs) tranquilizers or you know so he goes to this he's dating this girl in in her um, apartment she's got lots of like uh, toys but you know they're all like kept in boxes you know for like pristine yeah yeah like they're not to be played with um and he like gets her to eat loads and loads of like beef brisket and like big heavy rich foods and gets her to drink loads of red wine to make her fall asleep so him and George can play with the toys is the premise that is the premise exactly the premise I think it was six out of eight of them could not get on board with that you know they gave it a thumbs down simply because oh come on though it's funny well it was funny wasn't it and at the time I I thought it was funny funny, yeah but they showed you a couple of other episodes as well and I just thought You've watched all the Seinfelds yeah. within the last sort of five years or so, but you're still on board with Seinfeld. Yeah, don't, I do. Because he is very, it is, you know, it's very non... You couldn't make it these days because there's no black characters in it. No, uh, but then Lena Dunham got girls made and there mm. the, the four main characters in that are all white. Mm. Like, it's because... I think that it works because it's kind of semi-autobiographical. Do you know what I mean? Like, Seinfeld is a comedian, a comedian and it's mm. kind of... The relationship mm. with Elaine, like, I'm sure he, he didn't have a relationship with Julia Louis-Dreyfus, so that's not what I'm suggesting, but I'm sure that that relationship kind of existed. Like, I think that's why you can get away with it, and I always talk about girls. Well, I think you might be wrong. It's a parody of itself. I think you might be wrong about the that relationship, you know, the Julia Louis-Dreyfus thing existed, because when they, when they did, and the only reason I know this is she won the Mark Twain Award, which is an award for comedy, yeah, comedy in, in yeah. America. And Seinfeld gave a speech, and he said that initially, that in fact, the first first one that was ever shown was just him, George, and Kramer. Yeah. And the network said to them, the network said, "Yeah, you ought to have a woman character in it." And therefore, Elaine, you know, so they started auditioning for a woman character, and Elaine auditioned, obviously got the part. And the whole point of it was, he said, that, you know, usually the network people 
tell you something and it's usually nonsense they've no idea yeah uh, and they call it a network note so when you do a pilot the network gives you a note so he said you know essentially what julia lewis dreyfus is is a network note because they said <laughs> so i don't think that bit was you know that was an actual yeah no i don't think that was but like the stuff about him being a comedian and then like all the dates like it's very like it's aware of itself mm. do you know what i mean yeah i know exactly I think that's what you why mean. it's fine but he's a sort of comedian on the basis almost like louis ck you know what i mean quite quite male and and macho and I don't I really don't think well it was interesting because I've got tickets to see him when he's over in Britain in That's July so yeah oh. I thought you meant Louis C.K. I was going to be like nerd well you, your sister's been to see Louis C.K. yeah but did you know that no your eldest sister who's just been in New York went to see a comedy night um, he wasn't billed, but he comes on at the end and he, you know, he's now oh so she didn't re- know she was going to see Louis C.K. no but well that's okay well you can't help it if Louis C.K. turns up no, no, I'm not saying you could help it. And why would you? Because, well, you know, well I mean... I mean, he's, he did what he did, and everybody knows what he did. He's yeah. apologised, etc. I'm not sure an apology really gets... So you think he should be banished forever? Never, ever allowed to yeah. do stand-up Maybe, comedy again? Maybe, I don't know. I mean, it just seems... I think for now, men should be banished because... What men? All men. <laughs> men should be banished after after they commit crimes like louis ck did just because so many women don't get justice like it just seems unfair to what, let even, the few, well, you've got, you've got to let put the few on, who are but you've got to put a limit on it surely you know you'd think he's more or less done his time no or yeah but, so, but maybe he should so okay so yeah fair enough he should be able to like go about his normal life and everything but like to have a public persona still seems Iffy. Well, I suppose you know to still be to have his career the same as it was before. And how long do you think Kevin Spacey should be banished? Should he be allowed to make films again? No, I don't know. I thought Kevin Spacey was dead. (laughs) Just because you're not. I thought he died. What you mean? I thought he came out. I thought thought he got accused of abuse. Then then he came out as gay and then died. Yeah. (laughs) Really? Yeah. You didn't really think that. I don't believe you. I did. Now, you have a thing, Ruth, about white girls pretending to be black. Yes. Tell tell me about that. Sir, there was a thread on Twitter that went quite, like, viral. Um, And it was this girl who said, can we start a thread and post all of the white girls cosplaying as black women on Instagram? All of the white girls what? Playing? Cosplaying. Cosplaying. Do you know? No, what? I've heard of that. So cosplaying is like, um, you know, like Comic-Con events and stuff. Yeah, yeah. When people dress up as like um, ah, Daenerys right. Targaryen from Game of Thrones or Spider-Man or something. Yeah. So that's what cosplaying is. And so basically there's a lot of these pictures of these white girls who have taken like black culture and black characteristics mm. and like protect and like look like them so i thought the best way for me to show you this you should probably google the twitter feed because obviously i can only do a certain amount with description but i thought i'd show you a picture because you oh, were right. really in a sense so this is one of the top girls who comes up in the search she looks kind of like me like caucasian this is the same girl really so she's got black mate she's made she's, she's blacked up but well Kind of. So basically, it'll be like sort of thing. So it'll be like there's a trend at the moment for like um, fake tan and right. um, having like the hair she like look, that. She looks. She like looks. Af- oh, she looks like she's a she, light, light, light. A Latino. No, she looks like a light-skinned black 
go yeah really there's so there is a trend for like a lot of the culture of black women well i i hadn't seen seen it like this and there's a trend for like that kind of hair and stuff and um of having the fake tan and things but it is essentially black face really yeah Yeah. yeah. because and it's that kind of thing and so and this do they put girl, the pictures up themselves what well, this is like instagram so that she'll have she'll have like tons of followers on instagram so basically someone uses the term um it's the n-word and then fished you know like catfished so it's yeah. the n-word and then fished fished f f i s h e d so you know right. what catfished is sort of so, so catfishing someone is where you pretend to be someone else online but you're not actually there ah yes people so, do it on dating sites do yeah, they? yeah yeah so it'll often be like a really old man who um pretends to be like a young a young really pretty girl to entice like young boys like 13 yeah. year old boys or whatever and so someone's called it and i don't know whether this is a term that a lot of people use or not but it's kind of what comes up a lot in the, the twitter thread and it's the n-word mm-hmm. which obviously i'm not going to say and then fished like catfished it's right. and fished she was talking about how uh, most white girls on instagram these instagram celebrities do everything in their power to look like black girls and often brands will choose to work with the white girls who are cosplaying or like are taking like black culture and black characteristics and get paid for it whereas black girls often don't get endorsed by brands so this is like the same sort of thing as when you're doing the mikado you know gilbert and sullivan and instead of casting japanese women you you cast white women who sort of look a bit japanese i guess and so this is another picture this is another picture of a girl who's white but she's but it's like taking the 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 trend for like that mm. kind of curly hair and tan and so it'd be and so okay like, with, without the, the tan. Car. It'd be okay without the tan because it's just the tan that makes maybe. Look but then like so some a lot of people were talking about like the Kardashians were the original people who did this. Kim Kardashian is white, but she does look like she has some kind of minority ethnic origin. Do you know what I mean? And then they talked a lot, a lot about Kylie Jenner having loads and loads of lip fillers, and then black girls will be like made fun of for having really big lips. But then Kylie Jenner's made it into her career, and because mm. she uh, she has like lots of lip products in her brand and stuff. And so a lot of people are getting outraged over this. I think a lot of black women are getting outraged because but a lot they're, they're, of, mis- of, they're missing out on work, aren't they? Because yeah, know, they're missing out on work, but also it's like cultural appropriation. It's scary. Here's something I, I spotted, Ruth, that bears out what you've often said. Parents often tell their children to put away their phones, but parents are spending too much you time. And, you and Mo are on your phone. Oh, I don't, don't. oh my gosh. You, okay, no, I'm on my phone, I would say probably more, but you and Mum are more easily immersed. Like, you two can't do anything if you're looking at your phone, whereas I can multitask better. Uh, right, is that the issue? But apparently, see, you're lucky in a way that when you were a toddler in those important developmental years, phones, certainly smartphones, weren't weren't in existence. Yeah, I only and had. I, I never had yeah. a smartphone when you were a toddler, which meant that we could give all our attention to you. I want you to spare a thought. Shower me in love. Precisely. <laughs> I want you to spare a thought for the generation of toddlers oh, growing scary. up now. Because according to the education secretary, what does he know? But anyway, he says that parents tell the children to put the phone away but spending too much time at home on the devices themselves. He says they should spend more time reading stories and reciting nursery rhymes to their babies and toddlers. And I hadn't thought of this, but 
obviously now in the, with the smartphone uh, and everything and with people with, yeah. with work being so pressured as well there'll be people be looking at emails do you think that people work of, more now than they used to i think to? more pressure at the moment and, and i think that's because there are just more people in less more, jobs more people and fewer fewer jobs let me explain to you if you're catching on to this podcast for the first time you've just joined us for season two, two. <laughs> for season two of uh, the ruthie me and my dad podcast no it's not ridiculous <laughs> stay with it uh, if you're just tuning in for series two one of the uh, threads that runs through it almost like catchphrase is ruth says less when she should say fewer so um yeah fewer 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 opportunities uh, and more people uh, for for every mm-hmm. opportunity i guess yeah you've got to You've got to work harder to keep hold of the job. But also I think it's a thing of like, um, you're never turned off from your job because you're always checking emails. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Someone can email you at 8pm at night Precisely. Someone can email you. See, this was was a problem that I never had to deal with. When when I used to put you to bed at 7 o'clock at night and I was reading a, a book to you, However, I'm just thinking now, if you've got notifications, I don't get a notification, a sound notification for emails or Twitter or any of that or Facebook. When you were young, if I was working in a high pressure job and I got a, a ding, I'd probably say, oh, hang on a minute. And then you'd break the, yeah. the thread. Uh, and it's it's a real problem. Um, yeah, I think it's even worse, like kids getting phones when they're like, so I didn't have my first phone until I was 11, I think. I think when I started high school, that's when I got my first yeah. phone. And you've been talking about going back to just having I've go, got, I a little Nokia. I think I might Nokia. go back to a Nokia, you know. I don't know. Like, I think... You couldn't. You couldn't. I couldn't just because I don't want everyone to be like, can I add you on Snapchat? And then I have to be like, oh, I don't have it. Because <laughs> then you look really uncool. But I am tempted. I, I used that when I went to Leeds Fest last year. I didn't use my normal phone. I had like a little Nokia hmm. burner phone. And it was burner lovely. Phone? Burner what? phone. That's what you call it. Oh, do you? Why do you call it a burner phone? Because um, when you're on the run... From, ah, oh, is this from Hunted? Have you got this from Hunted? Well, no, that's just what you call it, a burner phone. They do mm. use that term on Hunted, but that's not where I got it from. They just call it a burner phone because... because so you can just burn if it. If you're on the run and then you pick up the phone, then you can just burn it afterwards. Right, so people, can't, people can't trace you. Yeah. It's a different number. Yeah, yeah. Sort of stuff. It's very useful. I'm learning stuff here. It's a really exciting, riveting kind of... <laughs> we're hitting the hard topics this week. We certainly are. We'll have a short break for a commercial. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And we'll play some music now. Yes, uh, let's... Let's play yours first. Mine tell, first? Yeah, tell me about it. So mine is by Childish Gambina. And tell me about Childish Gambina. So Childish Gambina is the pseudonym? Yeah, yeah. I think. It depends what you mean. Stage name? Stage name, Stage yeah. name is better probably than... What does pseudonym mean? Pseudonym Every time means... I use the word pseudonym, and it's a complete shot in the dark. <laughs> a pseudonym just means a name you've made up. Really. Oh, yeah, well, so it's yeah. that as well. And it's Donald Glover. Do you know who Donald Glover is? He's an actor. Yeah, he's an actor, and he's been in the newest Spider-Man film. He was in 30 Rock a bit. He was in The Martian. He's going to be in Lion K- the newest Lion King film. Right. He's going to be Simba in that. So he's hot stuff. He's, he's on hot the stuff. Very... Donald Glover. He was in that Atlanta TV series as well. All right. Yeah, Donald Glover. And um, Childish Gambino is his stage name, and he does rap and that. And this is... I've liked Childish Gambino for ages and ages, and to be honest, I was kind of struggling because I've not been listening to tons of new music no, recently. I, um, I just... listen to ABBA a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of ABBA. Um, I'm just, I, but I've just not been... Um, I just well, go through phases of like yeah. finding loads of new stuff that I really like. And but not only have you been listening to ABBA, you've ordered, you were just telling me to my shock this morning, a pair of um, flared velvet trousers. Yeah, they're trendy. All right, should we... Um, yeah. It's called Feels Like Summer yeah, yeah. or something like summer. Right? It feels like summer and it's from, it's but was released on the, in like on July the video, 2019. On the video that goes with it, it was, it was cartoons. Yeah, so. it's, he's very cool. Like yeah. His videos are always really cool and stuff. And he's cool. I don't feel like you get a full sense of what the song's like. We're only allowed to play 20 seconds for copyright purposes, but... Uh, that what I, I listened through to a bit of it to see if there was something different, and there wasn't. There's not really loads. Like, no, it's quite like just a. It's good to have on like summer. a background song. Yeah, I find. it does seem a bit like some that. of his. A lot of other songs that he does is better, but I know that you like me to do newer stuff. You no, know, it's you quite do. New. I mean, it's all new to me. Whatever. <laughs> well, I've, we've I've played a fair amount of 1960s stuff and even 1950s, and I think I played 1930s one week. This is the mid 60s, but I don't think it's a band we've we've played much in the car and things because we do. Play Play, you know, quite a bit of Beatles and Beach Boys and things. Mm. Are you familiar with the birds? I don't think so. Ah, well, let's play a bit of the birds. (laughs) 
So, jangly guitar, love it. Were you familiar with the birds? Or was um, it I new don't to you? think so. No, I think yeah. it's new. Well, the only the only track you ever hear on the radio of the bird, or the track you hear most, is Mr. Tambourine Man. You don't even yeah, hear that very no, much. Yeah, no, that's why I thought I recognised the beginning because it's got a similar start. Similar jangly guitar. If you want to know exactly what it is, it's a twelve-string Rickenbacker. Apparently, oh, I did want to know what it was. So yeah, I'm glad it's you a told me 12, that. It's a jangly twelve-string Rickenbacker guitar. Um, they, but they were a great, they were really influential band, the Birds, and probably a lot of when you see sort of indie boy bands, you know, the dreaded. The dreaded indie boy bands, a lot of those will have been influenced by the Birds. I mean, I know the Beatles is the key influence in yeah. the 60s, but the Birds uh, as well. And they played a part in I know you're a huge Bob Dylan fan, and we went to see Bob yeah. Dylan in Nottingham and everything. Well, the Birds sort of helped popularise Bob yeah, Dylan. I mean, did he do his song, Mr Tambourine Man? After they did that, no, no, Man. no, 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 of course not. He, he, it was on his early album, first, second album, yeah, uh, second album, I think. But they picked it up off his album, but they picked up a few tracks. You Ain't Going Nowhere, another Dylan track they recorded. My Back Pages, they recorded a few Dylan. That wasn't a Dylan track, that was those words were from the book of Ecclesiastes, oh. which is a good Catholic schoolgirl you should know all about. But yeah, that, that's uh, that's the birds anyway. They formed in Los Angeles, California in 1964. Brief period of fame in the mid-60s, doing that sort of jangly guitar. And then a lot of them, you know how much I like country rock. You do um, like country rock. I do like country rock. A lot, which is a terrible thing to admit, you know, at the moment. But anyway, I do. <laughs> at the moment. Um, well, you know what I mean? It sort of goes in and out of fashion. And I don't think it's... I mean, I might as well say... In and out, meh. Yeah. Out. I mean, now you could say, I like country rock. Or you could say, I'm an old age pensioner. They sort of amount <laughs> to the same thing. But uh, yeah, so we played Crosby, Stills and Nash, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Well, David Crosby of Crosby, Stills and Nash was in the birds. So they're a lot of them. And somebody went on to the Flying Burrito Brothers. In the it's all very incestuous, it. isn't it? Well, the country rock scene, I suppose, was, and they did go, uh, you know, a lot of them were in different bands, Flying Burrito yeah. Brothers, Eagles and those sort of bands. Anyway, that's uh, that's our music spot for uh, for this week. Uh, if you're coming to this uh, for the new season and you didn't listen to the past season, what we do is uh, I introduce Ruth to some music from my generation and Ruth uh, introduces me to something from her generation. And uh, I noticed that uh, the Bee Gees, which we've uh, talked about, feature heavily on your uh, playlist. Oh, I love how deep is your love. It's <laughs> the best do. song ever. <laughs> Now, a little bit about uh, J.K. Rowling and uh, Harry Potter and uh, what's described in the newspaper as the dominant cultural influence of the Harry Potter books and films. Um, and you, I suppose, are the Harry Potter generation, more or yeah. less. I think your sister... Pretty much, no, I think just a bit more between to 26 and 18, I would say. is the, Well, 26 and 16. According to uh, Indian Knight, writing in the uh, Sunday Times... The Potter books, the Harry Potter books, have sort of defined a moral universe. I'll read you what she says, actually. She says, Hogwarts is hardly the Rainbow Nation, but it does contain black and brown characters. It values and loves geeks, nerds and outsiders. It's healthily suspicious of privilege and places, the high, uh, sort of privilege, and places the highest value on learning and love. Would you go along with all that? Do you think, uh, I mean, has, have you yeah, found Harry Potter so. influence? Yeah, I think Harry Potter is such an influence on other things as well. But do you think it influences behaviour? She, she said... Oh, I don't know. I don't know how much I believe in all this psychoanalytical stuff. I mean, yeah, I guess it does. 
In 2016, apparently, a study published in the American Journal of Political Science found that Harry Potter readers were more likely to dislike Donald Trump because his dominating kind of politics is something people associate with Voldemort. But is that just is kids Trump who read books, though? Do you know what I mean? Like, I think the people, yeah, who, think, think the people right. who read Harry Potter are people who are more inclined to celebrate differences and stuff. Do you know what I mean? The, the kids who read Harry Potter at school were the kids who wouldn't have agreed with Donald Trump anyway. Yeah. I'm not sure that's necessarily but because they, they were read, reading Harry Potter. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think if they just had, uh, you know, read different books than Harry Potter? No, I uh, think that the kids who read don't like Donald Trump. So, yeah, so that's what you're saying. Kids who read... Harry Potter's yeah, but, got nothing to yeah, do with it. Yeah, yeah. It's just kids who read are but maybe a little more uh, intelligent or woke, to use your word, woke. Yeah, maybe, but also I think just um, kids, maybe not Donald Trump, but kids who read tend to be more sensitive. And if, you've been, if you read Harry Potter, usually you've been reading from a young age and then you move on to Harry Potter. I think that reading does give you, um, like, makes you more empathetic. But I don't think that's necessarily just Harry Potter. I think that's reading in general. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you say that, but if you were reading, uh, there must be some people. And I know there are people. I think even reading like Stephen King books would make you more empathetic. Yeah. Well, you're a big fan of Stephen King, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, that's the only thing I've read by him. (laughs) Yeah. What's it called? The Body. The Body, yeah. Yeah, But I've not. yeah, see, according to Indian Knight, um, her key sentence in this piece that she wrote about Harry Potter is, our millennials have imbibed her ethos. So she's saying... Got millenn- no idea what imbibed means. Uh, imbibed means sort of drunk in. So basically what she's saying is that millennials have drunk in the philosophy of J.K. Rowling, basically. Yeah, I suppose that's true. That I suppose it is, um, it is maybe probably the most influential book of our generation. <laughs> Now, you have a thing about women who talk too loud. Well, kind of. Basically, someone, and I can't remember who it is now, wrote an article called In Praise of Loud Women, the joy and power of being noisy and female, whatever this means, is important because I think we are redefining what it means to be loud. So basically, the idea that um, kids, girls especially, used to get called bossy a lot in school and now women are kind of reclaiming that and with people like Amy Poehler and Tina Fey and Oprah I guess to an extent of saying it's okay to be like loud and brash and funny and that and that doesn't make you bossy is that a new thing do you think women are being allowed to be, speak their minds a bit more? Well, I think that's probably true. Women are probably allowed to be out there more. But, uh, see, I thought when you when you t- told me you were going to talk a little bit about loud women, I thought you meant sometimes when you're on the train and there are... Oh, no. Eight, Gosh, you know me at all. eight women going down to London and they've got their bottles of Prosecco And their little the plastic table, glasses. And their little plastic glasses. And somebody's got a zip-up bag with sandwiches and well not so much sandwiches crisps loads of crisps and uh they're giggling and talking bollocks for the entire trip. not talking bollocks very, at all very very, very loudly um, no that was thought, not what i was gonna say at all and also it's very telling that you signify that as a women thing when i've definitely been next to far more men who are drinking cider out of cans and are much louder usually beer out of cans. no i i same thing same thing i mean i i would uh People bringing more than three cans per person of uh, booze, I would ban them from uh, trains, to be honest. I'd certainly ban anybody bringing McDonald's on the train, but we've already mentioned that in season one. We covered all that in season one. Um, so that's so what it, I was talking about it from a feminist point of view, but what you've made into is a tacky yeah, piece. Yeah, tacky. Totally tacky. 
someone called Afua Hirsch. Oh, yeah. Know I know. Is that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She writes for The Guardian. Yeah, she gets she on telly quite a lot. Did an, yeah, it was a really good article about schools. And she was talking about how it's long been predicted that a two-tier system will become to exist in schools because schools are have to, having to ask more and more for parents to make donations. And they're providing more and more of these really... Um, like elite really expensive trips that basically anyone who wasn't properly rich could go on like this three thousand pound trip to Borneo. who could go who could afford to go on that and stuff so what she's saying there's, there's two people there's, there's two, two, two layers classes to it. the kids who can there's, go and the kids who can't there's like yeah. a, a class issue of like um that the they keep asking for money so there was a school that had been asking for either 150 pounds for the year or 12 pound 50 per month of donations which obviously is not what a state school should be doing and then also a problem of um because they're so because schools are so underfunded and so understaffed the but also the government keeps pushing for better like ofsted ratings and better like rankings for grades they're putting all the kids who are struggling with English and maths just to do English and maths for the whole year so they're not bringing down the average and the people who are more like academically inclined uh, are going in separate classes and it's creating a two-tier of of intelligence in schools Mm. as well and it's harkening back to like a grammar school era but just within the same within schools. Within school, yeah. school secondary modern thing. But isn't that always going to happen? I mean, you've always got some people who are... But it shouldn't because the whole well, point is... That... The, whole, the whole point is, like, loads of sociologists... There was um, the sociologist Michael Young who coined the term meritocracy, mm-hmm. there you go, um, wrote in 1958, children who've been labelled dunce, which means, like, not that smart, doesn't it? Repeatedly cannot any longer pretend their image of themselves is more nearly a true and flattering reflection... If if the kids who are put in if kids keep getting put into a separate class and all they're getting to learn is English and maths to pass an exam, then they just become disenfranchised anyway, and it doesn't work. Like that's the whole point of not having everything as a as sets. Yes, I mean, but that was the thinking behind. I mean, that thinking from the nineteen fifties, the sociologists or forties, has been around for a long time, and that was the whole thinking behind comprehensive education. You know, which we have. Mm. Everything's going to be the same. Everybody's going to be in the same same streams, if you like. Yeah. You know, there's not there's not going to be any upper sets, lower sets, anything. There's no grammar schools, no secondary modern schools, and then there's always the desire by parents to for their kids to get a little yeah. bit. You know, and if they've got see if they've got the money. No, I guess yeah, but. It is frustrating, I guess, if you're in a class where you the, they're in so many different levels, and I suppose that is more difficult to teach. But probably not with like for at my school, you had maths was settled, but everything else was everyone in the same class, and I think that worked ish. Maybe uh, maybe what goes on in school. I'm just thinking of people like Keith Waterhouse and uh, all sorts of writers who've written about when the, you know writers who grew up in the in the 30s or 40s, very very deprived, and went on to you know to write books and to write newspaper columns yeah. and all that sort of thing, which was sort of self educated I think what's what's actually probably worse than schools being underfunded is libraries closing. You know, yeah. Like, oh God. You know Sad. because so there was a whole generation of uh, of people who. who but grew then up I guess like even themselves, you know, libraries. Even people who maybe wouldn't be going to libraries, like you do have the internet now. Do you know what I mean? And I think that you're not taught to... Yeah, I think that, like, self-education, you're not taught how to do it as well as you could do. Like, to think you've got all the information in the world at your fingertips, because most people do have a smartphone. Like, most kids, even mm. if they're not... If their families are not really well mm. off, have 
like iPhones, which is a weird thing of which is a weird class thing, I think, now. Yeah, the iPhone, you, Facebook, etc., all classless. Yeah. The poorest people. I mean, I know there are some people who are po- who are on the poverty line and they don't have iPhones, so it's not always Jessie, but people who wouldn't well, have in the past. It's interesting because according to, according to the, uh, the United Nations, one in four people in Britain is in poverty. You probably saw that report. And I'm just wondering, I don't think that one in four people... Are without an iPhone. I'm not disputing what the United Nations Yeah, one in four people will not have an iPhone. Do you think so? Oh, 100%. Because so many people have Samsungs. (laughs) Um, I can Google... A smartphone. Percentage of people with a smartphone in the UK. It says smartphones have become the hub of our daily lives and are now in the pockets of two-thirds of UK adults. So there you are. Therefore, a lot of those people who are in poverty, if we uh, agree with what the United Nations say... This is adults, I guess. I don't know. But let's be Oh, the vast majority... 90% 90 of 16 to 24-year-olds own a smartphone. Right. So some of those people will be in poverty, according to the United Nations, but will still have a a, a smartphone, which is is a very interesting statistic in that... It is interesting. I don't know how... Which means they could educate themselves via the smartphone in the way that Keith Waterhouse, which is the example I gave, educated himself in the Hunslet Library. Um, Yeah, I mean, obviously libraries should stay open. Libraries are really, really important. But also libraries are so underfunded. Like I worked in a library and there's not enough computers either because people have to do so many forms on them and you're only allowed like one hour per day, which is not often not long enough. No. But you have to limit it because if not, you yeah. would no well, no one else would ever get mm, on one. Yeah, uh, although I'm I'm sure books. Books no, are no, more books important are, than computers. You books know. are, but I'm saying that libraries like serve a purpose to a community which books can't do. Mm. People will fill out. There is a play running uh, that the West Yorkshire, <laughs> well, not the West Yorkshire, Leeds Playhouse are doing at the moment uh, about libraries. Um, and there is a very interesting conversation where somebody says, uh, one of the people says, books, you know, surely libraries these days, they're all about coffee and computers and shit. No, like the 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 books are really, really important and there are things you can find in books that you can never find on the internet. But there is a lot of people who use the library because they need to fill out like benefits forms and you yeah. can't do that on a, in a book. No. Like the, a computer serves a practical purpose. Oh yes, no, I, agree, I agree with all I'm that. Not, I'm not, and that's not me playing down the importance of books or the importance no. of reading. I no, think no, you can do both. you're absolutely right. I think the problem is that things like Facebook and apps and all those things, they're they're invested in keeping you on their platform. You know, they mm. they don't want you rather like the trains. Uh, they want you to stay on the platform as as long as <laughs> as long as possible. Which means that you're not necessarily getting information when you're on the yeah, uh, when yeah. The, what but you're doing you can... is looking at Facebook. Yeah. I think that's it, probably for this week. I think it probably is. Now, uh, one thing we didn't, one feature we didn't include in this, with it being uh, the first one of uh, season two, is that we didn't have lots of emails from my cronies. Um, oh. So, uh, and the um, reason for that is, of course, I didn't give out the email address in but the final if you, episode. The email address is 
But the email address is martinandruthpodcast at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you. Um, Andrew in Cornwall. No matter what age. No matter what age. But we'd like to hear from, you know, younger listeners as well. But like I said to you last week, it's mainly older listeners who will uh, send emails. So do send us an email. martinandruthpodcast at gmail.com. And also there's um, the Spotify Oh yes, Spotify if you want to hear more of Childish Gambino, the whole thing, and, and more of the birds. Um, which you can go on Spotify and search for Ruthie, me and my dad, and that'll go straight to the playlist, or Martin and Ruth, and that'll go to our page, and then you can click on the playlist from there. You can. Um, and Andrew in Cornwall, we're keeping him, we're not going to do uh, Owen Wilson for him. No, week. Just, no way. Will you, will you do it next week, yeah? I'll think about it. Think about it. There you go. Uh, but if there's any impersonations you want to request um, or comment on <laughs> That I can't on do either. <laughs> or comment on anything we've said, we'd love to hear from you. Martin and Ruth podcast at gmail.com. And uh, that's the end of uh, episode one, season two. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.